Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, January 3rd, 2019. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Stacy and Jen, and today we are going to talk about books that are set in the 1920s. Hi, ladies. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hello. I think it's only Happy New Year for us, because by the time they hear this, they'll be like... Oh, the that's 11th. right. Already better well, out oh, Okay. Oh, Hello. Is that better? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we are having to uh, kind of get back into the swing of things. We've had a long hiatus, although people might not realize that since episodes did continue to air over the holidays, but we have not um, recorded in a few weeks now. So we are back and hopefully this will go... <laughs> relatively smoothly. (laughs) Um, Before we get started, I just want to give the usual uh, bit of housekeeping information. You can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can like and or follow the page, and we certainly encourage you to do that. You can also join our Facebook discussion group where you can chat with us as well as hear what other listeners have to say. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can do that via Facebook as well, or you can send an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So, the 1920s. I have always really, really loved this period of, of history. Um, not so much like in real life, you know, when I read things like nonfiction things about the 1920s, I'm always a little bit appalled. But there is such wonderful fiction that is set in this time period. And so I'm really excited to talk about it today and hopefully give listeners some fantastic recommendations. Um, Before we get started, I just want to give a shout out to a book that will be out by the time this podcast is released. And it is The Paragon Hotel by Lindsay Fay. It takes place in the 1920s in... Oregon, where a woman on the run, um, a white woman on the run, is seeking refuge at the only black hotel in the city. So I'm very, very excited about this. And it comes out on January 8th. So by the time people listen to this, they can run out and snag a copy for themselves. So now that I've shared that... Um, Jen is going to start us off with her first pick. I will go next and Stacy will finish off the round and we will start again. So my first pick is a biographical fiction novel. And this is by Teresa Ann Fowler and it's called Z, a novel of Zelda Fitzgerald. I first read some biographical fiction um, written by Susan written by Susan Vreeland, which has nothing to do with the 20s, but it was kind of what got me interested in the genre. And so when I saw this, I was really excited to read it because I just didn't know a lot about Zelda Fitzgerald, for one thing. I obviously knew about Scott Fitzgerald and had read The Great Gatsby in school and things like that, but I didn't really know anything about her other than she was married to him. So this was a really cool read for me. So in this book, we see Zelda and she comes from a pretty well-to-do family in Alabama. 
and she meets Scott Fitzgerald at a dance in 1918 and he wants to marry her and he says that he is going to make a living from his writing and she is very reckless and goes off to marry him come what may and her family is not very impressed by this and thus begins their wild life and we uh, find out about um, how they really get drawn into all the um, partying of the 20s and then also about her being an artist in her own right and that kind of thing. And this was just a really cool novel. I, I really like this a lot. I know, Shannon, that you didn't um, like that other novel that she had written recently. Oh, A Well-Behaved Woman. No, I, I wasn't into that. Yeah, but this one was really good. And I know that I think you read this as yes, well. Yes, I right? loved disease yes. so, so much. I just thought it was so cool because, like I said, I didn't know really much about her at all. Um, other than her name and that she was married to um, F. Scott Fitzgerald. And I just thought it was just a super engrossing read, very evocative of the, you know, time in history and um, just really let us get to know Zelda and who she was um, apart from being the wife of a well-known author. So again, this is Z, a novel of Zelda Fitzgerald by Teresa Ann Fowler. So my first pick is also a bit of a biographical fiction novel. This is Becoming Bonnie by Jenny L. Walsh. And this is the story of the female half of the well-known duo Bonnie and Clyde. And I loved this so much. I read it um, early in December and I was just totally entranced by it. So Bonnie Lynn Parker is... 15 when she first starts to rebel all of her life she's been this really good intelligent girl growing up in a teeny tiny town in texas she's a very dutiful daughter she has a boyfriend who would one day like to make her his wife and yet there's something in her that is looking for more um, she wants to find a way to improve the circumstances of her family. She doesn't want her family to be poor. And so she starts to go into Dallas with a friend of hers and she becomes involved with a local speakeasy. And that is where she meets Clyde. And together, Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow have this just really tumultuous affair. And this, this particular novel ends before they actually begin to break the law together. Um, but the sequel, which is called Side by Side, picks up where this one leaves off and actually talks about their life um, as fugitives. But Becoming Bonnie, I thought, was just a fantastic introduction to this woman that I grew up hearing about but never really felt like I knew a lot about and this is just a wonderful, action-packed, um, really, really nice love story. So it, again, is Becoming Bonnie, and it is by Jenny L. Walsh. The first book I'm going to talk about is called The Night Mark, and it is by Tiffany Rise. And this is the first book that I read by this author, and she really can tell a lovely story. Um, just a really, really skilled author. And 
this book combined two of my favorite things, time travel and the 1920s era. So uh, present day, there's a, a young woman who's a photographer. Her name is Faye, and she um, is still reeling from the death of her first husband um, a few years ago, and she's just really cast adrift. She's had a really hard time recovering from it, even though she's um, been with someone else since then. She's just very sad. So she decides she's going to go um, and, and do this photography assignment. Um, and while she's in this town, she um, goes into the water and all of a sudden a huge wave kind of sweeps over her. And when she gets up, she's in this storm and all of a sudden she's been swept back in time to 1921 and there's some mistaken identity. She meets this man um, and a, a whole host of characters. She meets the light keeper and he's lovely and just, he looks like her husband and she's just so, she reels from this. She's so confused by how this man can be the, the spitting image of the man that she thought she'd lost. And so throughout this book, she sort of goes back and forth in time as she kind of solves some different mysteries and learns more about herself and just kind of learns um, how to put her trust in love again. And it was just great. And it was full of really interesting period descriptions from the 1920s. Um, I, I just, that was really my favorite part of the book was the 1920s era bits because of how you can tell the author really did a lot of research about what would be in, in someone's home in 1921. So um, it was just a really beautiful love story and I really enjoyed it. So um, if you enjoy time travel, if you enjoy the 1920s and a very authentic, slow build romance, try The Night Mark by Tiffany Rice. Very good. She is a phenomenal author. Um, she writes so so well mm -hmm. her characters are amazing her writing is pretty much always beautiful even when her subject matter is a little dark um I just I have a lot of admiration for her and yeah. I definitely want to read this I own it um I bought it pretty much like when it came out and I just haven't read it yet well what are you waiting for <laughs> it's really good both of you need to read it it's really good so my next pick, my second pick for this episode is The Diviners, The Diviners, book one. That was not me repeating myself. That's the name of the series, <laughs> too, by Libba Bray. And Yay. this book is so fantastic. It scared the crap out of me, but I loved it so much. Okay, so um, sort of not the same as, but similar to uh, The Witches in New York, we have a lot happening in this book. Um, we have a lot of magic and some kind of romancy things and some very creepy ghosts running around killing people. Um, so there's like a lot of things happening. So in this book, we meet Evie and Evie comes from a very conservative household and she's very bored with where she lives and her mother ships her off to New York City in 1926 to stay with her very eccentric Uncle Will, who is obsessed with the occult. And she's just like, I'm excited about being in New York. I don't care that I have to be with my weird uncle, whatever. This is awesome. I'm out of my boring town. This is good. And, oh, yeah, she has an ability to, um, she has some paranormal abilities of her own. She kind of want to keep, kind of wants to keep under wraps. But then her uncle Will is summoned to the scene of a crime 
or this body has this mysterious markings on it and she her power comes into play and then she's all kind of caught up in this investigation of this creepy serial killer. Meanwhile, we have several other characters that we meet, including Theta, who is a chorus girl who is running from her past. Memphis, who is kind of living in two different worlds. Um, this a student called Jericho that has a bunch of secrets. There's a pickpocket running around. And, oh yeah, there's this creepy dark force that may or may not be involved with all the creepy crimes happening. So there is a lot going on. This is the start of a trilogy. Um, I have not read the other two books in this trilogy yet, but the first one is absolutely fantastic. Scary, creepy, atmospheric, magical, wonderful, uh, obviously very um, 1920s. There's lots of 1920s slang and, and um, you know, like um, authentic things about like the, the culture and the, the dress and the, you know, at, at, like Stacey had said, you know, things people had like in their homes and just the whole culture and speakeasies and things. There's just a lot happening and it's fabulous. Again, it is The Diviners, The Diviners, book one by Libba Bray. So I just read some reviews about this book um, <clears throat> and I'm very interested in it. And I know it's technically classified as YA, but from what I read, it's like on the darker end of the spectrum for YA. Is that oh, yeah. right? Yeah. I yes. Abs no, absolutely. It scared the crap out of me. And the, <laughs> the grievance that many people had was that um, Evie comes across as sort of a spoiled brat. She's um, annoying. Yeah. She's very annoying. But the other characters make up for it. And is this something that's going to develop over time or am I going to have to put up with a pain in the ass spoiled brat for three books in a row? Do you know? I don't know. Cause I haven't okay. read the other two. I don't know. I haven't okay. read the other two yet. I have them, but I haven't read them. Um, but I plan to, uh, but because we're not only just seeing her though, right. The series we're seeing all these other people. Okay. So she's so not the main she's... heroine. She's just one of, well, she kind of is the main heroine, but, kind of. but there's there other are... people that are more interesting. Okay. Yes. Well, it was interesting. This book just seemed to spark a lot of passion, whether if it was positive or negative. I mean, people had very strong things to say in all the reviews mm -hmm. that I read. So it's it's on my I need to read list, even though it's YA, because it looks really, really good. So it's really fantastic. And and yes, I mean, I did find Evie's character to be quite grating a good bit of the time. But the other characters to me made up for it. And the story is just well told. So engrossing. And yes. And, yeah. I would say that if you are an audible or an audio reader, um, you will not be disappointed. January Lavoie no. does no, a fantastic her. job. She is so amazing. Yes. Yeah. So my next pick is The Girl from the Savoy by Hazel Gaynor. And this takes place in London at the Savoy Hotel. And we meet Dolly. And Dolly is a girl who really doesn't know what she wants out of her life. Um, her family is pretty poor. And so she came to London for work. She was working as a maid for this kind of yucky family. And she really wants to be doing something else. So she applies for a job at the newly opened Savoy Hotel. And she's hired on as a chambermaid. And at first, she isn't thrilled with this. Like, she loves the hotel, but she kind of feels like, you know, she's just always like cleaning up after these like rich people and she feels a little bit looked down upon. But then she gets to know 
um, this brother and sister who have a really big impact on her life. And I don't want to tell you how, um, because that would spoil this and that would be very sad. Um, a lot of Gaynor's books are dual timeline novels. This one is not. So you get to spend like the whole the whole time that you're reading this in the 1920s. And I really enjoyed the way she described London. Um, I loved kind of seeing like the theater scene that she talks about. And she just does a fantastic job of creating this cast of characters, even when you get the feeling that these people are doing things that you wouldn't necessarily approve of people doing in real life. It seems like a really great thing for them to be doing in the book. Um, and that's just how, how well, um, just how I'm trying to think of a good, the word I want, just how evocative, I guess, her, her prose um, can be. So I definitely would recommend The Girl from the Savoy by Hazel Gaynor if you're looking for a look at 1920s London. Now, did this author write the book you talked about a couple months ago about the flower sellers? Is that? Yes. Hazel? Okay. All right. Yes. I need to try these books. Now you've talked about two of her books that sound really good. So and she's talked about like three because she talked about the lighthouse keeper's yes, daughter. Yes, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love okay. the lighthouse keeper's uh-huh. daughter. Yeah. I think that yeah. was, I think I did that for like a most anticipated Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And it was super, back. super great. It came out in October. She has um, a novel that she co-wrote with Heather Webb oh, called okay. Last Christmas in Paris, which mm-hmm. is an yeah. epistolary novel. Um, I haven't read it yet. She also has a standalone, um, not a standalone, but a novel she wrote on her own called The Girl Who Came Home, which is about the sinking of the Titanic. Oh. So Hazel Gaynor. Okay, I need to try. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Her her stuff is so amazing. So I love flappers and speakeasies, and I always thought it's so alien to my personality. But I always thought, how fun would it be to be that girl in her high heels and short shorter skirt and all of her finery sneaking to a forbidden club to dance the night away and drink martinis um (laughs) it's not me at all but i think it'd be like so much fun so when i when i heard about um beatrice williams um her book called the wicked city i was like i have to read this because it it has um it's a dual timeline but part of it takes place in that world in new york city in the 1920s so um this book again is called the wicked city and part of it takes place in 1998, so that was kind of a fun walk down memory lane. You know, uh, technology was a bit different then, you know, phones that flipped closed and <laughs> things like that. But anyway, so um, in, in, quote, present day, we meet um, a young woman named Ella. And Ella um, just caught her wife, um, to be perfectly crass, banging a woman in the stairwell of their apartment building. Um, oh, yeah. Well, that's charming. And so she leaves. As well, one does. yes. As one does. And so she's trying to pick up the pieces of her life, and she moves into this studio apartment in this old, old um, apartment building in New York City. And she decides her first Saturday morning she's going to go down to the basement to do her laundry at, like, 6 in the morning because she's greasy and dirty. She hasn't brushed her teeth or washed her hair, and she's wearing skeezy clothes. So she's like, this is the perfect time yeah. to go do my laundry. And she goes downstairs and meets um, this lovely man, very attractive young man. And every washer is in use. 
And she's like, what is going on? And that's when she finds out that no one does their laundry in this basement of this building after dark because of the nightclub next door. And it's not a good time to do laundry. And she's kind of like, this is very strange. So anyway, um, as she's sort of recovering, she starts hearing at night. She can't sleep. She's having an insomnia. And she keeps hearing this amazing jazz music from the building next door. And so sometimes she'll just go down to the laundry room in the basement and just lay down on the folding table up against the wall and just listen to this amazing jazz that's coming through the wall. So she's trying to recover from her broken heart and kind of meeting this cast of characters in 1998. At the same time, in the 1920s, we meet Geneva Rose, who is the heart and soul and spirit of this story. And she is a young flapper. She's a typist by day and, you know, interesting flapper by night. And so she goes to um, her favorite club. It's called the Christopher Club, which happens to be right next door to um, the building where present day Ella is living. And so she kind of gets involved with some shady characters and she has come to New York to be a modern woman to kind of flee from her past and her skeezy stepfather and her mother who's perpetually pregnant. And um, so in New York, she's this very glamorous woman, but, you know, she is kind of roped into helping with her stepfather's bootlegging activities. And she meets um, a man who encourages her to um, kind of be part of her father's bootlegging, her stepfather's bootlegging. And um, she kind of gets drawn into this sort of seedy, you know, CD world that she was kind of on the fringes of. And so in 1998, um, there's a box that's discovered in Ella's apartment that ties her story back to Geneva Rose. And I love this book. I love this book so much until the ending where it just ended with a bunch of, yeah, with a bunch of questions unanswered. Um, I felt Uh, like we were left in the middle of the story. So I think that there is a sequel um, and I believe it might be called like Cocoa Beach or something. Do you, either of you know about this? There's, I know there is Cocoa Beach, and I know that it's related to something else that she's written, but I don't remember yeah. specifically if it's... Um... Because if, if there's not some sort of sequel that wraps up all these loose ends, then this story would be a complete flop. Um, because we, there's so many things that are left to be, uh, that haven't been explained yet. Um, so it's a great story. Part of it takes place in the 20s. Very well-researched. Um, that's the part of the story that really sparkled for me was the part with Geneva Rose. She's very vibrant, like I said. Um, and Ella's sort of the vehicle that moves the story along to kind of solve the mysteries, the mysteries that never actually get solved, you know. And the only thing that we do find out in 1998 is what she's hearing next door is the phantom echoes of the speakeasy from the 20s. She's not hearing a modern nightclub next door. She's hearing, mm. Yeah. So it's very cool until we don't know we're just left dangling. So, you know, I I have to do a little bit more research to figure out if Cocoa Beach truly is the, you know, the next in the series or not, because if not, then this book is a dud, but if it is, then I want to know what happens next to these people. So that's the wicked city by Beatrice Williams. So my next pick is moonlight over Paris by Jennifer Robson, and this is part of her 
Great War trilogy. It's book three. And actually, I didn't even realize it was part of a trilogy because I had read the second one and also not realizing that that was part of a trilogy because it was the first Jennifer Robson book I read, which was After the War. Um, actually, wait, After the War's over, maybe? Anyway, um, but this is the third book in that trilogy. Um, the first one is Somewhere in France. And this book was so good. Jennifer Robinson, to me, is so consistently good when it comes to historical fiction. And that, from what I can tell, is pretty much all she writes. Um, I talked about another one of her books that just came out, The Gown, which I'm actually reading right now. And I just think her writing is wonderful. The way she captures a sense of time and place is just outstanding. So... I really enjoyed the fact that, I mean, I love the stuff with speakeasies and all of that. And then, you know, the America version of the twenties, but I love reading about it in other countries as well. So in this one, we meet Helena Parker or sorry, Helena Parr. And she um, goes from England to live with her very bohemian aunt Agnes in, um, in France. And she wants to go to art school. She survived this very terrible illness. Like they thought she was going to die, but she didn't. And then it kind of made her have this new lease on life where she's like, you know what? I want to go out. I want to live my life. I want to see what happens. And she gets her parents to agree because she's, um, she's an older teenager. She gets her parents to agree that she's able to go and live with her aunt for a year in Paris and go to, or in, in France and go to art school in Paris and, just kind of see what happens, see what, see where it takes her. And so she goes there and she meets her aunt. Um, well, she's met her aunt before, but she, you know, meets her aunt's friends and gets, you know, starts cultivating friends of her own and really gets drawn into the uh, salons of that time period. So mm -hmm. all these very bohemian people, these artists, these writers, poets. Um, and she meets this, this man who is an expat from, so there's all these expats um, surrounding her. Um, and this man is an expat from America and his name is Sam and he is a journalist and he's very plain smoke, plain spoken and she's very, very drawn to him. And so we see their relationship develop as the book goes on and we see her come into her own as an artist and really figure out like who she is as an artist. And we see her making friends at art school. And uh, this book was just so great. I really just enjoyed it so much. If you've not tried Jennifer Robson, I can't recommend her stuff highly enough. Again, this is called Moonlight Over Paris, The Great War, book three by Jennifer Robson. So I was totally jealous when I found out you were going to do this book because it was on my short list of things. So I'm happy oh. to hear. Well, I'm happy to hear that you liked it because that makes me even more excited to read it now. So, yeah, it's I mean, her stuff is, as I said, anything by her for me at this point is always a, a go. Good. So. I really, really enjoyed the one book that I've read by her. And I want to check out some more, um, especially the gown. That's one that's like really <laughs> caught my so attention um but i read good night from london and really really liked it that's on my list i haven't read that one yet yes so my is the last new by ellis avery <laughs> oh i love that book it's smart. i hated the ending anyway <laughs> i know so yes it's true um the ending of this book is is very odd but 
the last nude is the story of Raffaella. And Raffaella becomes the muse and also the lover of this female painter named Tamara. And this is sort of, you know, an unconventional thing in the 20s in, right. in France. Um, but they, they make it work for a while. And I love the descriptions of the art world. I think that's like one of the best things about this novel, aside from the fact that it features um, a lesbian love story, which is super great. Um, but then some bad things happen. And the first part of the book we see from Raffaella's point of view. And then after these bad things that I won't tell you about, after they happen, we start to see things from Tamara's view, point of view, like much later in, in time. And normally I am a big fan of Barbara Caruso's narrations, but I did not care for how she narrated um, Tamara's portion of this book. It was like really, really hard to understand what she was saying. It's like this really thick Russian it's accent. Really thickly accented. It was, yes. was it Russian or was it Polish? I don't know. It was something Eastern European. It was like it was really just thick. was yeah. not it was not great. So I did not necessarily love the ending of this novel, but I would say I adored probably the first like seventy five percent. Um Me too. I would not say like, you know, that people shouldn't read it because at the end, I think it's, it's a very worthwhile read. Um, but the ending is not going to appeal to everyone. Um, but like if Stacey. you're looking, yes, <laughs> but if you're looking for just a really, really um, authentic look at 1920s Paris, that kind of art scene, um, and if you're looking for something with an LBGT theme, you will definitely want to check out The Last Nude by Ellis Avery. Or you could read a 1920s era novel that takes place in London that features ghosts that smell like death. You well, could. You I could. Don't know that I will, but you could. You wouldn't probably. Just like I won't read a book where the ending is not recommended. Um, so what I'm actually talking about is um, The Other Side of Midnight by Simone St. James. And, you know, I've not made it a secret on this podcast that I love Simone St. James and I love the way she writes. Um, I love her books, especially the 20s era books that she's written. Um, I think The Haunting of Maddie Claire was the most terrifying book I've ever read in my life. Oh my gosh, it was so scary. Terrifying! Um, <laughs> And so I had really high hopes going into this book um, because she's never let me down before. And this book was, was quite good. It's about a young psychic who is living in 1920s era London. And she, you know, as a younger woman was a very dutiful daughter to her mother, who's also a psychic um, who could see ghosts. And um, the mother called herself the fantastique and had seances in their home. So she grew up, you know, being okay with the fact that she could see ghosts because her mother was there to support her, but she was a very well-behaved young woman until she met another young woman um, whose name I'm so embarrassed to say I'm completely blanking on right now. Um, and this other young woman can also see ghosts and she's also a legit psychic who can see ghosts. 
and does seances out of her home. And for a while, they form this friendship um, where Ellie, who is our, our heroine, she's just very drawn to this woman's very free-spirited sort of um, bohemian lifestyle and just the fact that she is um, very comfortable with her who she is and doesn't really care what anybody thinks of her. And it's just in the world to have a good time. And this, you know, causes some issues between Ellie and her mother. Gloria, that's, that's the young woman's name. That's the other psychic's name. So fast forward three years, and Ellie's mother has passed away. And we find out in the very beginning of the book, it isn't a secret, that Gloria has been murdered. Ooh. And Gloria's estranged brother has come to Ellie to ask if she can help solve the murder by connecting with Gloria. So this book basically follows Ellie as she tries to unravel what happened to Gloria. Um, and, you know, all these different people keep cropping up. And are they there to help her or hinder her or to murder her as she goes about, a, a, you know, she's like embarking on this quest to figure out the truth of what happened. And I enjoyed this book a lot. I thought it was fun. Um, it was not my favorite book by the author. Um, I, I, I felt like the ending was a little rushed um, and I felt like some things could have been explained a little bit more, but I liked the romance between Ellie and, and the, the person she ends up with. Um, and, you know, there were some very good things in the book, but it definitely did not have the same um, appeal as like um, lost among the living or, um, you know, the haunting of Maddie Claire or, um, um, the book that she just wrote last year, The Lost Girls. So the Broken Girls. The Broken Girls, whatever. The Lost Girls, The Broken Girls. They're some kind of girls. <laughs> but no, anyway, I, but this is a good book and I, it's a very, it's, it's a, I'd recommend it if you, if you like Simone St. James. So again, this is The Other Side of Midnight by Simone St. James. My last pick for this episode is Bittersweet by Colleen McCullough. And this is the same author who wrote Thornbirds, which Yay. is wonderful. I know. And in this book, um, the thing, again, and I know I said this about Moonlight Over Paris, um, but this book is also set in another country, which I think it's so fascinating to see how the 20s affected places all over the globe. So in this, we see how the 20s affected Australia. And um, so in this book, we meet four sisters who are two uh, sets of twins. They are uh, half-sisters. Each pair of them is half-sisters to each other. Um, so we see Etta and Grace and Heather, who's called Tufts. And um, <laughs> I did explain why I'd prefer to call her Heather, so I'm just going to call her that. And Kitty, just <laughs> because um, it sounds ridiculous to call her Tufts. But anyway. And these four girls, um, young women, I should say, they want to be nurses. They want to go off and have careers and everything. And they, um, they love their father. Their father is rector of a church. And their, um, his wife, who is the mother of one of the sets of twins, Kitty and Heather, and stepmother to Etta and Grace, is a really horrible person. And they basically just want to get away from her also in addition to furthering their careers and things. So they go off and they are in this pilot program for nurses at their local hospital. And it's, it's tough work, you know, um, they're dealing with a lot of patriarchal stuff. 
Um, so there's, there's a lot going on in this book. I mean, we see obviously how the 20s and then eventually later on in the book, how the 30s affect um, this, this town and this, and this country um, and these people. But we also see things to do with romance, things to do with, um, you know, women's rights and, and job equality and, and, you know, kind of in feminism in, in this age in history. Um, so there's like a lot happening here. And um, all of the sisters have their own little parts of the story. It's about, you know, sisterly bonds as well and familial bonds, um, you know, and, and just politics uh, are part of this. There's just a lot to unpack with the story, but it was just, it was really, really great and really sweeping. Um, there is this really horrifying scene in the <laughs> beginning though, where this very terrifying snake comes out of the floorboards during a tea. Um, and they kill the snake with a chair and some kind of like fire or like, like fireplace tool. I would have loved that oh my scene. <laughs> it horrified me so much. I was like, first of all, okay, these women are badasses for killing this creepy ass snake, but the snake part horrified me so much. I was like, oh, I'm so freaked out. I was like shrieking. I was like, oh. Now, if it were a rat, I'd be where you are, but I think it's cool <laughs> the snake comes up out of the floor. I know, right? Oh my God. And there's like a seven foot poisonous snake. It was horrifying. It's a what? A seven foot poisonous snake uh, came out of the floor. Wasn't there some kind of thing with a snake and the thorn birds too? Probably. I probably blanked it out because it scared me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, creepy chants from ghosts and snakes on my scary list. Okay. <laughs> but that part aside. So if ghosts. Really don't chant creepily are they not on your no, list no they're still scary like maddie claire scared the crap out of me mm-hmm. okay just mm-hmm. just grabbing people and making them levitate and oh my god well i don't know and there's something about the 20s and like scary yeah. scary things that happen in those some of these books but anyway mm-hmm. anyway the so snake slithering aside yes yes so this is bittersweet by <laughs> colleen mccullough and it's this beautiful sweeping historical family saga and people should read it and also read the thorn birds if you haven't even though it has nothing to do with the 20s really yes yes please do the thorn birds is amazing and wonderful and long and fantastic it feel long it doesn't feel long when you read no it. it doesn't but it's it's one of those like i read it I read. I saw the TV series first um, with my grandma on VHS, and then I read the book, and it was just so so wonderful. Oh, I love it when they used to do those like really long like mini series, like you know when they did like the original Jane Eyre and Green Gables. Yes. yes. Although I didn't really like the Jane Eyre one, but that's no, I didn't either. But there. anyway, yeah, that's All for right. a different episode. It is. Yes. I digress. Yes. So my last pick is The Other Typist by Suzanne Rindell. And she has written two other novels, neither of which I have read. Um, I keep kind of thinking that I want to, but I just also keep thinking that they can't possibly be as good as this one, and that would make me sad. So this is the story of Rose, and Rose is a typist for the police department in New York. So all day... She types up confessions, and so she's definitely no stranger to kind of the yucky things that humans do to one another. The seedier side of life. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) But 
you know, she, she types this stuff, but it hasn't ever really touched her personally. It's just sort of something that she knows exists, but her life in and of itself is, is pretty tame, and she likes it that way. At least she does until she meets Odalie, and Odalie is the other typist who comes to work at the police department, and the two of them become friends. And through their friendship, Rose is drawn into the kind of secret world of speakeasies and kind of underground jazz. And things get quite a bit wilder for her. And this kind of friendship um, that she has with Odalie at first seems to her very, very nurturing, very warm, and just a really great thing that has always been missing from her life. But as things progress, she realizes that there's something not quite right about Odalie. She has a lot of secrets. There are some things that she's involved with that kind of give Rose like a queasy feeling in her stomach. And she's just not sure like what to do. She feels like she's kind of too embroiled in all of this to, to back out gracefully. This is one of those books that you won't want to put down um, I read it like really, really late into the night and I was so, just so captivated by it. And when it was over, I had that kind of like let down feeling like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm done with this now. I have to like, exit this world and kind of go back to my own world, which isn't nearly as interesting as this one. Um, it was just a great 1920s story. Rose is a fantastic heroine and Odalie is full of surprises like you know you're you're never quite sure what you think of her like is she a villain or is she just this kind of like misguided person you, you just aren't really sure so this again is the other typist and it was the first novel by Suzanne Rendell well the last book I'm going to talk about I have to preface by saying two different things first I have to publicly eat crow Yes. Because yes. Shannon, yes. yes, I do. Because Shannon told me quite some time ago that I needed to read this book and how much I would love it. And I didn't listen because one of its sort of categories in the romance genre is religious and inspirational. And, you know, I, I am totally fine if someone is religious and inspirational in their life, but I don't, between religious and inspirational and romance, I sort of feel like never the twain should meet. And, um, so I avoided it. And, um, this book is called the ringmaster's wife by Christy Cambron. And it is one of the most beautiful stories I've ever read. Just her writing is so, she just paints these lovely pictures of life in a different era. And, um, anyway, I decided to read it and it was one of the best decisions I've made so far this year in the last three days. The first, <laughs> no, but it was the first good solid, solid decision I made of 2019. But anyway, this book is called The Ringmaster's Wife is by Christy Cambron. And it's mainly set in um, the mid 1920s, but um, it focuses on two women. So one is Mabel Ringling, who is married to John Ringling. So this book is about the circus in the 1920s. But um, Mabel's story takes place um, back in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, as she kind of comes of age um, in this very, um, you know, sort of 
conservative farm town and she dreams these dreams of going other places and she um, ends up going to the Chicago World Fair in 1893 and um, you know kind of finding a way to sort of try to live her dreams and uh, she meets John Ringling and the two of them kind of fall in love and have this just very sweet romance together and she becomes kind of like the queen of the circus um, wouldn't you want to be known as the queen of the cir- circus? I think that'd be really cool. But yes. anyway, um, fast I want to ride an elephant. I, I do too. I have ridden an elephant, but I was six and I don't remember much well, about it. Well, I have too. <laughs> I wasn't the queen of the circus when I did it because I was oh, a right. little kid. I know. but um, I haven't, but that would be really fun. It is fun. You haven't ridden an elephant? It's the funnest oh, thing ever. No, yes. I've ridden a horse. Does that count? No. 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 But there is. named Marie. I rode an elephant named I don't know. I want to say her name was Olga. Um, the elephant in this story's name is Nora. Yes. Um, and she's lovely. So anyway, fast elephants. forward to 1926. And we meet, actually, I think it's 1925 in the beginning. But we meet, um, we meet Lady Rosamond, um, who is living in England and is sort of chafing under the restrictions of being an aristocrat um, in a time where aristocrats still had one set of expectations as the country was changing and evolving. And so um, even though it's in the mid twenties, the understanding is that she is going to be um, part of an arranged marriage with this aristocratic man who can kind of pull their family out of the financial crisis that they have fallen into due to gambling debt. Well, then she finds out that her beloved Arabian horse is going to be sold um, to the Ringling Brothers Circus. And she decides to come to America with um, the people transporting her horse to make sure she's settled. And she kind of runs away from home thinking, well, I'll go, to, I'll go to Florida, make sure my horse is settled. And the horse's name is Ingenue. And what a great name for a horse. I just love it. Anyway, yeah. And so she's going to go to Florida and just kind of make sure her horse is settled. Well, she falls in love with the circus life. And um, what nobody in her aristocratic family really talks about is that she's this amazing trick rider who can do all these really daring stunts uh, with, her, with her horse, Ingenue. And so she ends up joining the circus and she meets um, a very colorful cast of characters, including Nora the Elephant and including this very sexy Irish guy um, who has a very interesting backstory as well. Um, a lot, you know, and, and it's, it's just about life um, at the circus in the 1920s. But during this time, she also meets Mabel Ringling, um, who kind of encourages her and inspires her as she's learning how to be who she truly is um, beyond the confines and the restrictions of a titled English lady in the 1920s. And it's just such a beautiful story. If you haven't read it, Please go out right this moment and get it. It is called The Ringmaster's Wife. Again, and it's by Christy Cameron. It was a five-star book yeah. for me. I yep. love it. And it is I... not full of proselytizing and scripture and other things. So don't let the religious and inspirational category keep you away as it did me. All right. Well, that does it for us this evening. We have talked about lots of fantastic books. So, of course, I hope our listeners have found, you know, a thing or two to um, 
add to their TBR piles. But I want to thank Stacy and Jen for being here and sharing in all of the 20s goodness. As always, thanks goes out to Christine for her fantastic editing. And thank you to all of you who have joined us on the Book Bistro journey. We appreciate it ever so much. We'll be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. And I, of course, will be here Tuesday morning to tell you about the fantastic new releases coming out as well. If you want to get a hold of us, please do so via Facebook or by sending an email to the Book Bistro Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to let us know how we're doing and help other listeners find us, you can leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show, and we would appreciate that immensely. I hope all of you have a wonderful week with lots of great books, and we will talk again soon. Take care, everybody. <laughs>